0: You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. We're a bit of a unicorn, you might say. Massive thanks this morning to our sister company, J Hill Marketing, for their ever-loving support of SickBiz and allowing us to literally be on the air. That's good stuff. Mad love. Jay Hillmark recently launched an editing house division, Bookmark, enabling authors to keep their copyrights without sacrificing the professional and pristine execution that is paramount to maintaining your reputation as a baller. Congrats, On that endeavor, check out jhill2lsmark.com for more information. My guest today has me fascinated. Dr. Trevor Campbell, or as I'm going to call him familiarly, Trevor, is an Amazon bestseller of an intriguing book that I think many of you will find helpful upon reading This delicious little bit from the back cover of his book, based on years of experience, Dr. Campbell's approach builds a solid foundation for success and targets the behaviors, beliefs, and attitudes that trigger the specific brain centers that generate pain as a continuous threat signal. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, it makes me wonder if pain has an off switch. And please, if it does, will somebody show me the location? To say this excites me is the most complete understatement I have ever uttered. Let's dig into his book, The Language of Pain. Let's get to feeling better already. Please welcome our resident expert on pain relief, Dr. Trevor Campbell. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Hillary, and um, it's great to have you be on your show.
0: Yes, thank you. I am so excited to have you on here, and um, your easy energy. You know, you never know what a guest's energy is going to be until you get on the air with them, and you are kind of bantering around. And I just love your energy; like it just is like a chamomile tea.
1: <laughs> okay, that's that's a new one for me, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, it's amazing. And I'm so glad you're here to talk to people today who are hurting. Yes. Um, it's interesting for me that you chose the specialty that you did. And I want to get a little background on that.
1: Okay. Um, I think it goes back to my very early days after qualifying in 1981. Um, I would work, I worked in uh, several practices over the years and uh, there were doctors who were way more experienced and knew way more but often their patients would choose to come to me with some sort of um, you know psychological issue and I'm not a trained psychologist, but of course, as a physician you're always counseling and I found this strange because the physicians were there they weren't on holiday or away or anything. Um, their waiting lists were a bit longer and uh, eventually I said you know you, you're to to several of them i said you're your physician's here and you you with them a long time how come you don't see them about this and eventually the answer was well very comfortable and so on and you listen well but someone looked me right in the eye and said you know why because you have the face that says tell me about it and wow. which i thought was weird at the, weird at the time I remember i was like probably about 25 26 Well, mid mid to later 20s. I didn't have a lot of life experience. But then I ran with it and um, I'm glad I did.
0: Well, you must be an old soul then. Maybe they saw that in your eyes and and people just gravitate toward you and want to get help for their problems.
1: Well, that's possible, Hillary. Um, There's truth in that, I'm sure. But the real thing I think is I find a lot of stuff. A lot of things interesting. Even as a child, uh, if you gave me encyclopedias, I kind of like wanted to read it sequentially, not pick out what I particularly wanted to read. That's the kind of thing I would do. Now, I don't know w- why that is, but um, so when someone tells me their story, I do listen very carefully. Um,
0: so, how many volumes of the encyclopedia set did you read?
1: Well, as a kid, I mean, once I read all of them, but if I started on one, I'd like to read until like whatever's coming next, Um, depending, you know, obviously certain things I couldn't understand, like on physics and stuff when I was young. But everything was interesting, every story, comics, books, everything. Um, So... That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that's um,
0: fascinating, and we maybe have some younger listeners that are going, "What the heck is an encyclopedia?" Yes, yeah. <laughs> so it's like the it's like the analog version of Wikipedia, Absolutely. right? <laughs> and it takes
1: up a lot of space.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they're so heavy. Yeah, right. and uh, just a, a brief kind of branching out on that conversation. But I do remember we had encyclopedia salespeople things yes. that would come to our door and that's I just-
1: right that's right that's, i remember that too yeah yeah
0: <laughs> like you just really must have a passion for that that's crazy um and i you know and they must have developed some chronic pain just. see how i'm trying to segue <laughs> yeah. into our next topic sure. here
1: <laughs> yeah um, um sorry
0: you s- oh that's all right i said right when we and people don't know this, but when we bring people on, you know, I encourage them to think about themselves as my co-hosts. So we're we're not waiting for that awkward silent moment. We're just jumping right in, and that means we interrupt each other, and I love it. I think it's um, yes, more spontaneous, it's more enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, it's right. more spontaneous, definitely. Um, chronic pain. You state that chronic pain is amplified by engaging in pain behaviors. This is fascinating to me because as someone with chronic pain daily, if I find out that I am doing something just unknowingly to increase the pain, I want to know what the heck that is.
1: Right. Now, um, what happens is if you, you see, firstly, I just have to explain a few, it's, it's not really sidetracked, it's a, it's a good basis for understanding. The way to treat chronic pain, one of the reasons it has not been well treated, is because the current medical model of delivery, the delivery model, you're going to see a physician or a specialist, does not allow you enough time to cover all of this right? Because it's due diligence on a bio, on a biomedical level, on a psychological level, and a sociological level. So, it's got to be seen through three disciplines. Now, we don't traditionally qualify as a sociologist, as a psychologist as well. But my answer to that is too bad. We have to learn about it because that's how human beings work and we work with people. So, the, the the modern um, uh, medical delivery sy- system like in Canada if you at a walking clinic you've probably got under 10 minutes with the, with the physician uh, on average I'm told that these are not my figures and with your own physician maybe a quarter of an hour 20 minutes uh, they can book a double appointment but you know these aren't always available so they cannot transfer the information easily to a patient because a lot of it has to be repeated many times believe me because I've worked in pain management programs in a multidisciplinary team so what happens is you've got this conundrum and you've also got a a historical situation where physicians have not been trained properly so I got very little training by the time I in, in chronic pain we were told that um it's not like acute pain or, or recent onset pain where it's it's painful and then it disappears. You've had your warning. The job is done. Don't touch the hot stove again, kind of thing. Chronic pain has no function because the damage is already done and it's gone. So it's not helping your survival. In fact, it's making your survival more miserable. So. Interesting. Okay. So the other so traditionally, there has not been good teaching. I happen to lecture residents which are who are uh, second year they 've qualified for two years and they 're training to become family physicians and I see that the training has not got much better and part of the reason is the funding has only the last few years become um, increased um, yeah. and the other thing is that doctors feel that so much of this is is psychological and sociological. Uh, that historically it's kind of uh, not the hard medicine that we normally study. So you've got to address all of these um, aspects. So when you look at them, if, if I can use an analogy, because this is also very important to understand, Hilary. Um, if I use the analogy, this is a very old analogy of the, the home alarm system. So somebody breaks into your home, the alarm goes off, and you have a plan or emergency plan. You lock yourself in your room. You defend yourself. The police get called. The danger's there, and it's dealt with. The alarm system works. Now you get an alarm that's maybe faulty, and in a severe storm, it just goes off the whole night, Um, sort of really upsets your neighbors, and you can't get any sleep. The next thing, a raccoon in summer comes past, and – Sort of comes near the door and it gets set off. That's a faulty alarm system. It's become sensitized and it goes off when it shouldn't go off. And that's what chronic pain is. So chronic pain is actually your brain assessing what's going on in your life and trying to warn you that this is not a good path or we say trajectory to follow. So
0: interesting. And your raccoon analogy, I just have to say this morning when I was eating breakfast, my husband looked across at me and said, you look like a raccoon eating out of the trash.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Good way to start the morning.
0: (laughs) It's a good way to start the morning. Absolutely. So that's interesting because it, you know, as a chronic pain I don't like to use the word sufferer and you know, uh, I'm very selective with my words, but as a, as a receiver of chronic pain, um, that makes sense. The alarm is going off when it doesn't need to go off. And you're, so you're searching for, you take the batteries out. It doesn't matter. The thing is still, still going. The raccoon is still sitting there waving at you, mocking you. Um, so what do we do about
1: this? Okay, so this is also borne out by the fact that a lot of techniques, uh, common techniques for, um, for dealing with chronic pain are based on distraction. When your mind's occupied enough with something else, engaged enough, it can be music, it can be a comedy movie. Uh, you know, you just, you've got pain, but it's so funny, you're just barely laughing. You, for that period, you remember that or you score that period as a relatively pain-free. So, um, yes, so what now the kind of work I've also got a quite a background in disability, uh, medicine, you know, and uh, disability, by the way, I have to mention this. We talk about a healthy lifestyle, we look at um, we look at exercise and diet as obvious ones, but you could say the third one is disability some type of meaningful activity. Now, if you're very wealthy, you don't need the money, you can volunteer or do good deeds pro bono, whatever it's still that purpose is appears to be very good for your health. Uh, Wonderful, and um, it's
0: a, it, so it's like finding gratitude, yes, isn't yes, it, or serving or getting giving it out back. of your
1: own head, you, right? Because what your brain's being told is, I have enough to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether you arranging holidays for people and that's your job you're still helping so your brain is your functional it's getting it, it can the alarm can be you can be quiet you see so when you do a lot of file reviews like i had to do in disability management at sometimes people with 20 or 30 years of chronic pain uh, you, you write about sufferers i don't like sufferers and when i talk to a You know, on radio, I I don't really like patients because it's so medicalized already, the discipline. Uh, So I I should say those with chronic pain, it's a bit clumsy, but it's probably the best I can do. Um, So when you look at now, two people have an operation by the same surgeon, technically exactly the same. They've got the same physical strength. Obviously, these are people I'm just make believing exist. The one ends up moaning about the pain, you know but eventually does the exercises tells the physio it's when they get told to finally move it uh which is usually earlier on um so does quite well the other person for no reason starts becoming very pain focused while they're talking they'll interrupt themselves or their their dialogue their dialogue uh, by saying oh just hang on this pain i've got to try and just you know move it slightly." To a better position, so pain focus is what starts it off, and then with this pain focus. Now, I always say to people, when when you learn how to drive, the instructor, uh, when they're not screaming, tells you that um, basically, that basic. <laughs> that basic
0: <laughs> I don't know what kind of experience you had, but I'm very sorry I, for it. That's. Know, I,
1: <laughs> anyway, um, you know they say, "Look, uh, look where you want to drive," because. If you're going to watch that um, that fender bender on the on the side of the road, you you're going to drift off. You go where you're looking, where your attention. It's a great analogy. And by the way, we use analogies and metaphors a lot. A metaphor just being um, relating something in real life to something else we know and hoping that that gives some understanding. So we get the pain focus. Shortly after that is uh, avoiding. Your certain functions during the day. Oh, I can't move my arm now at all. I can't do this. And focusing on that. So you've got first it starts with uh, a pain focus, which is really a thought. And then it starts with, then, then it moves on to pain avoidant uh, behavior mm-hmm. and a fear really that because people are assuming that hurt equals harm. Well, you speak to anybody who plays sport at a reasonable level, they'll tell you they're always in pain while they're getting fit and while they're staying fit, and after they've had their season. I mean, and there's injuries in between. So they view pain differently, maybe. I'm not saying.
0: They do. You know, and I and I totally agree with you because somebody who is a weightlifter, for example, or somebody who's trying to build up their body, and and tell me if I have this layperson information wrong, but – the body is built and muscles are built by micro tears, yes, that occur in the muscles, and then you must rest those muscles so that you can tear them up again yes. and build them yes. up again. It's a correct? strange
1: phenomenon, yes, that you do to tolerability. Uh, that's how, yes,
0: I'm- and so th- those people in the gym, the meatheads and the gym rats. They've got to always be in pain to some degree. Well,
1: the T-shirt, right? No pain, no gain. So that, that's, <laughs> that's what...
0: And they have questionable yeah. choice in clothing, but that <laughs> is... No.
1: <laughs> it, it's,
0: but it, it's, it's true, yes. though. I hear what you're seeing as winnowing down the focus. Right,
1: right. For some reason, they, you know, and it can be life circumstances. That's where the psychosocial stuff comes in. So after the pain, uh, uh, fear avoid, and now people say, well, are you sure it's that painful? You know, someone close to you would say that. I mean, a colleague at work, maybe. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, then they start catastrophizing. Now, catastrophizing is something we see where people will misinterpret a symptom or a condition or a set of circumstances as way more dire than it is. So I've heard people in programs, my leg's now increased in pain. I just know they're going to lock it off, quote unquote, or cut it off. And they have to explain, well, actually there's no association between pain getting worse um, unless it's on a vascular or arterial you know low blood flow and stuff like that, in which case it will be dealt with immediately, there's no association with worse pain requiring amputation, so you know I mean that <laughs> you have to challenge that thought, you know i mean can you
0: i love but I love that because it it's like um it reminds me of a meme well, that escalated yes. quickly like it, it you know, it yes. moves from I'm having discomfort. I'm guilty of this because I'll say to my husband when my I have neuropa- neuropathic pain in my in my yes. feet, and it can be pretty painful. And I'm guilty of that when it's spiking, and I'll just say, "Can we just cut my leg off yes. right from below yes. the knee?" And he, you know, he'll look at me and say, "Well, then you're going to have phantom pain, <laughs> so that's not going to help you well, at there all." There is actually
1: <laughs> a real chance of that. So, yeah, I have to say that's, cr-
0: that's crazy. Yeah. So then. So, pro- it's so
1: no, oh, go uh, ahead
0: i'm sorry i'm just so excited and hungry for information well, then today. The chronic,
1: then this catastrophizing um, is eventually shows up in your sleep suffering, and when your're sleep suffering oh. your mood goes down, you start ruminating a lot, and this is the problem because when they ruminate they're now not very active they're spending a lot of time on the sofa perhaps, or they are not they are not mixing so much socially. Now, we know from experiments which were done in the 90s, uh, mainly in North America by uh, many psychologists, that most of our happiness, when they studied happiness, rather than focused on depression, they found that most of our happiness and gratitude and so forth comes from other people. And it could be anything from our parents, children, Closest friends to the person in the dry cleaning store that we you know just like chat to and we get our stuff on that that kind of social interaction. So you can you can see where this is headed. Their life is becoming yeah. more and more impoverished. I have said to people where I felt at the stage to hear this, or some South African train where you speak much more directly to people. I, I would say mm-hmm. to them, you know, um, I, if I had to be on the sofa a lot um, or or not mix with the people I normally hang out with when we've got time, that would, even without pain, that would be a pretty lousy life.
0: It, it could be a very lousy life. And everything that you're talking to today speaks to what sickbiz biz is about. I had somebody ask me the other day, um, you know, I don't know how you do it. And I said, I don't like the alternative yes. of sitting around really you're magnifying the pain then. If pain is all that you can feel yes. because you're not distracting yourself mentally, you're not engaging in a deeper focus, you are living in the existence of learning over and over and over again what you cannot do
1: right. versus what you right. can
0: do. That alternative is not acceptable and we really push people to move out of that mindset yes. it's a tricky thing to do uh, it, is I think
1: difficult.
0: it is and there's a balance between hey you're in pain uh and also you're responsible for the level of agony that you're going to feel without victimizing the patient
1: yes Agreed. I, I think uh, you know, it, but it, it goes further. Hillary, they'll tell me uh, they'll be say napping on the couch, and uh, this, this mm-hmm. spouse will will uh, will take a call. Oh, we've been invited to a barbecue, or uh, well, we they they want to know if want to come around for coffee and stuff, and then they motion tell them I'm asleep, and then when I say, well, why would you do mm-hmm. that? They're friends. He's, well, we're I'm no fun. Or um, uh, you know, that's just a mercy jail. And I said, "Look, no, no. If they're friends, um, friendships made of sterner stuff. Because someone develops a problem, whether it's psychological, financial, physical, you still want to see them. In fact, you you want to make sure they're okay. And it's you you're invested in the, the whole person, not the the you know one aspect of their life. So it's very it's a lot of the behaviors." Um, at this point, I just want to mention that I, in, in the book, I, I'm unable to give a really full treatment of cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, we call it, which is a very widely used mm-hmm. uh, psychotherapy, both in uh, psychology, well, in psychology, medicine, social workers, counselors do it. It challenges your thinking. And there's three aspects we look at, your one's thinking, one's behavior, and one's mood. And if you think, if one, if one thinks that um, uh, you, you know any activity is going to uh, cause harm, then obviously behaviorally you're not going to do much. And when I say the behaviors that are causing this, it's not so much um, this. If I can use that expression, the sins of uh, of commission, what you're doing wrong, Mm -hmm. it's what you've stopped Mm -hmm. doing that's normal for everybody else and is important for your day-to-day fitness.
0: Interesting. Okay, so this is fascinating. There's a huge psychological component to this.
1: Absolutely. And, of course, mood gets impacted. Now, mood's the hardest to change. I mean, the level of depression in developed societies now is, is really high. And we know there's medication, there's uh, there's, uh, interventions or talk therapy like CBT. You can have them both at Mm -hmm. the same time as well. But your mood can also be changed by the way you think. Like if you're catastrophizing, someone says, well, that's really not that uh, supportable or that – Uh, logical and here's why and then you're confronted with that so once you change your behavior that's why exercise is good for depression as well right and rumination is not when you're not doing well and you've got a lot of time to think over and over and over this is a big problem because you're not going to focus on the pluses that's very rare
0: yes the other thing sorry it's interesting I want to hit on rumination yes. for a minute because I think you're I think you really hit the nail on the head on that one, and this is where we are allotted so much time to be alone without structure, Ooh. potentially, right? If jobs have been lost, um and it's just well, you're you're quote unquote, retired, yes, so you and then you're allotted that time. basically, you can do whatever you want. But you have what you've told mm-hmm. yourself are limitations versus adaptations, mm-hmm. and this is a danger danger very, zone for very, people to be in. Very,
1: uh, it's, it's a, it becomes a toxic um, environment. In fact, there've been recent studies mm-hmm. that show that if one can get people who are depressed to ruminate less, even before they go on treatment, mm. they already do better. Now. It's, that's very difficult to do generally. And some people manage to do it and others cannot do it because it's so wrapped up in everything. Um, Just to get back on the behavioral point, you'll probably find this very interesting. But, um, uh, you know, there's been studies that show that often the spouse is the caregiver in chronic pain uh, because it's very expensive Mm -hmm. to get help and so forth. So they showed that the... um, the caregivers who were more strict and, and less accommodating, their spouses with chronic pain did way better. So I'll give you an example. You'll get a uh, spouse one saying, Okay, uh, I've made this up, but just, just talk to me while I'm doing the dishes or whatever, right? And, or not, or, or cleaning up. But the other spouse B will say, Look, you actually. Uh, you know, injured your leg, how about bringing the chair and just take your time, pace yourself and, you know, um, unload the dishwasher. I mean, it's something small, which is a morale booster for the caregiver who's doing a lot. And I'm not saying this is in every case by any means. I'm just saying that these people, because they're becoming more fit, the more you do, the fitter you become. You can... If you can only yes. walk for half an hour, then aim at twenty minutes and you won't feel you've been through the ringer and then you can build on that. It's still gonna be benefit. It's not as good as an hour walk. But it's a lot better than nothing.
0: I need to Yeah, I need to put that reminder of your voice also in my phone. When I start out (laughs) to do some type of exercise, do not walk for a half an hour and go through the ringer, go for 20 minutes. Don't push to your maximum. But I love what you said about the spouse aspect, because one of the most important things that we talk about is making sure that the support in your life is actual support, that it's not codependent support. It's not caving into, oh, I think you just want to do that. It's not treating you differently because you happen to use a device to ambulate around, whether it's a cane or a chair, uh, a rollator, whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. It's not seeing you as less than you were because of a physical complication. It is highly important that if you can't, Figure out how to do, we'll just say, like, what were your chores in your home that you're responsible for resolving those? That doesn't mean that all of the work goes to your spouse. It doesn't mean that you get a lifetime pass to sit on the couch and never do the dishes. Mm -hmm. Um, I love what you said about bringing the chair into the kitchen, even if you're cooking. Sometimes I have to do that, bring a chair into the kitchen. Sometimes I have to unload the dishwasher, just a bit at a time. I might take five minutes, unload the top half, close it, go sit down, come back later. I mean, there are all kinds of different ways to accommodate yourself. It's so easy to sink into that depression. And I use depression with the quote marks around it, because we're not talking clinically diagnosed depression. We're talking episodic depression, That's created by changes in situation and catastrophizing. Absolutely. But there are, it's so easy to sink into that and say, that's it. It's over. This is my life. Now, what is the point? And if you just get up, you'd be amazed at what doing a load of laundry makes you feel like. I I
1: totally agree with
0: you. Helping to care for your home in some capacity Sitting on the ground outside and planting the flowers, mm-hmm. if you can. All of these things that contribute to the nurturing of your home and your relationship with your children and your, your, just your freaking yes. life are important. Yeah, well,
1: you see, I mean, anybody who, who encourages you to do less than you can is making you less fit for your living. I mean, it's that harsh. Um, Yes, they may be very concerned, but at the end of the day, uh, I think one can become enabled by family who feel terrible. Look, I have seen some very bad injuries. I mean, that moved me even just to finish the exam. You know, uh, uh, Mm -hmm. so so there are those cases, but the vast majority, you know, people will have lost, uh, you know, some function. They'll have pain, but so much still remains. Uh, you know, it's it's like yes. losing, you know, having a certain amount of money, uh, substantial, and losing two-thirds of it. Well, if it, you know, even with two-thirds lost, you may still have a very good life. You can, you know, Absolutely. it's not all lost. Absolutely. But, and, and it's interesting. The other thing that's very important, um, Hilary, and I sense you can be uh, appreciative of this. You know, part of the thing is with the opioids, uh, because we had this opioid uh we're still sitting with it. You know, in the 90s, it was very aggressively marketed by big pharmaceutical companies. And um, it appears that the the risks were underrated. And of course, the benefits were inflated probably. And um, we, you know, there's a lot of people saying, well, they've got chronic pain. They, They deserve opioids. Now, we know that they don't work really in chronic pain. You just have to escalate the dose and put the person more at risk. But when you look at uh, young, uh, well, children, age 12. Some of them have got, have got severe pain like juvenile chronic arthritis. We give them like mm-hmm. non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, Tylenol. We urge them to play uh, basketball and if they break down and cry, you know, they can sit on the bench and they're there. We'll try again next week. You know, we. It's it's kind of a bit of a mismatch, you know, it's sort of like pain you've got to give something to deaden it but it's not addressing the issue you see pain is looking at your lack of behavior it's looking at your catastrophic thinking inactivity withdrawal from society and it's making this connection it's using pain that's remembered as a threat signal so it's not getting the message not the pain that you must run away for from, I mean, obviously that's one's tendency because it's unpleasant, but it's warning you, but it's warning you about a different threat using pain because we know from imaging, neuroimaging, that the pain circuitry, if you like, uh, tends to extend into what's called the prefrontal cortex, which is in the front of your head, which where it's associated with memory and emotions. So it becomes triggered by emotion. Oh. So, see, so you see, it's it's kind of a much more, it's not ongoing acute pain like burning your hand. It is basically extended. It's really behaves like a condition or a disease in its own right.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's it's less symptomatic and more disease well, it's, oriented. It's, it's
1: still the symptoms, but it's, yeah, it's, yeah, that's right. It's less of a, sudden symptom that will wane with time, because it doesn't wane with time, but if you see brain changes and stuff like that, then you see that something is going on that it's actually, people have described it even as a neurodegenerative state, but it is reversible because we have this concept of neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to change itself under circumstances. You learn French, for example your brain changes. You grow up French and you don't speak it for 40 years, your brain changes again because you're losing the language. You become fit. You, you know, it's constantly changing. So when people say, I spiral down about a year after the injury, and I say, look, and they they often tearful, very unhappy, and I say, well, the good news is you can spiral back up because the same system supports that. Yeah. The other thing is that Nobody oh. talks about loss of That's role. Sad. Identity is not just who we are, but it's what mm-hmm. what we yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, our occupation. When when this was first described, they, they didn't mean occupation as your job. It could be uh, religious beliefs. It could be political ideology. It could be your life philosophy, all these things. And you get these like a soccer mom will come and say, you know, I used to be the main driver and everybody depended on me and it's that loss of identity now, can't do that anymore. So that bundles in with the emotional centers and it's a perfect storm for the prolongation of, of the disorder.
0: Neuroplasticity is my new favorite word, it's, yeah, the ever. brain
1: is a muscle in a way. I mean, it's a, that's where the analogy stops. It's very different, but uh, it does, it, it, it accommodates. And um, it's so we not, that's why I call the book The Language of Pain, because we are seeing it as pain the enemy. But it's really pain the message that we're not getting.
0: Interesting. Okay. So instead of learning French for the past five years, I've been learning
1: pain. Well, unwittingly, look, (laughs) I'm very, obviously I'm very, you know, this is Canada firstly. So people are more sensitive uh, in my view. You know, you Mm -hmm. can't just come up Mm -hmm. with a, you know, swinging from the hip kind of thing. Uh, So I basically say, look, it's very difficult at this moment because I have to tell you that you, what you did was intuitively obvious and, completely understandable but it did play a, ma- a major role in developing this
0: it does and but this is yes. the good news and you know i love to focus yes. on good news this is the good news you can't say to someone you have all the power to control your environment and to control your experiences without telling them You're also responsible for your agonies. You can't, you can't do that. I mean, there is not a way to say it's just about power or it's just about agony. It's a way of saying this is an incredible responsibility to be in charge of your body and you can figure out how to live with it you can figure it even beyond how to live with it you can rise above that pain now i'm not saying i can rise above my pain all the time because i'll be laughing like a hysterical Mm -hmm. lunatic or i'll be distracted all the time or there's not moments of downtime but you can greatly improve your existence absolutely
1: now that's very insightful what you say um definitely uh, you know what? It's it's kind of what's good for the goose is good for the gander, as we used to say in South Africa. You can't mm-hmm. escape responsibility and and uh, you know decision making. It works on all sides, and and that that's very important to understand. So, um, it but you know people do take it. I mean, it, it, it you well, the message comes through, but it's a tearful moment. I can tell you, um, because. I think it's an aha moment because if if they felt it were outrageous, you'd hear about it. Uh,
0: Yes. And it is an aha moment. When they, when the person who is dealing with receives that message, that aha moment, and they accept it, then it's really important not to focus on. I could have, I should have. I wasted time. I'm going to berate myself for the decisions that I made. It's important to say, wow, that's new information. I'm going to implement it now and try and do my best to change my experience.
1: Right. Yeah. No, no.
0: Yeah. And It, it,
1: it is tough. It's but hard. But, you know, it's doable. Um <laughs> it's kind of once the book lays it out very well i think i'm very happy the way that came out hillary there's just one thing i i, I need that. to mention here and i make a bit of a deal about narrative uh you know narrative obviously there, there's a saying that we are a narrative if you look at the very uh, uh, cultures from like thousands of years ago uh, they would at night have supper usually communally and then they would tell stories the other thing they would do is dance dance i should say um which by the way is very good for your brain probably maybe well i i don't know exactly but i i wouldn't surprise me if it's the best form of exercise uh, and I'm talking just a free for all stuff. I'm not talking about strictly ballroom or, or uh, Latin American, because it's showing your your brain is and your body are working in unison, looking at possibility. Whereas you know when you're cycling or running, you you kind of, it's kind of repetitive, right? Uh, and we may get to the point um, where it's actually prescribed. You may be interested to know in Britain, uh, there was an article, they found that people who are depressed um, benefited from joining a choir, and most common was a church choir, even though attendances are down, because, you know, they accept anybody, you can have a terrible voice, and, they, you know, it's all the community type thing, and people get better. And you can see how this works when there's isolation, people in a combined effort to something, as, as simple as a song, how this works so they would they would dance That's and the difficult. other thing they would do is tell a story to remind like what does a good person in our tribe uh do what it, what does it mean to be part of this group what do we, what are we and what are we not now narrative what happens in medicine i told you this very shortened uh clinical consult you know the 10 minutes or the 15 minutes People want to unload quite a long story, and this is totally understandable, and they need to, but so they pick the low points, because this is what worries them the most, and this becomes their narrative, which they eventually not only tell to the various doctors they see, but to family and friends, but so we're sitting with a bleak Narrative or a uh, very negative one, not showing any improvement or anything because you want to focus on what needs to be corrected. The problem is when you're ruminating, this is your internal dialogue now that you're feeding your brain. Mm. And the story yes,
0: that, you're that, that you're you've telling told yourself. the doctors
1: because you want them to hopefully uh, help you with them all. Uh, your family you haven't seen for, say, a distant family, you see them at a reunion. They ask you how you are because they heard you not well, and, and then you kind of cram it into five minutes, and uh, they get the story. And then eventually this becomes what other people start talking as well. Oh, you don't you know they're really in a bad way and stuff, which creates this scenario for not getting better. I feel very strongly about this. There's a, the ancient Greeks used to say character is destiny uh you know where if you're the person who really is meticulous about confronting evil you end up having a lot of fights or challenges in your life because you don't you, you don't shut up right so that that's a way like character <laughs> is destiny <laughs> but wow, what i say with narrative amazing. i have seen a lot of long standing narratives that are very bleak and and kind of shoot you in the foot if you keep running with them and I said, you've got to be careful that sure. that character is not replaced by destiny, uh, is not replaced by narrative when it comes to destiny. Now, narrative becomes destiny. And it's a, a selection, a cherry-picking the negatives. Again, people don't go into this consciously and think, oh, I'm you know, I'll take the risk. They're not aware of the risk. And the analogy I use in the book, I have to have an analogy, uh, my friends call it a Trevorism. So, you, there's a, there's a chat going on a, a <laughs> rah rah talk. I, I used to play rugby, you know, being South African born. So, the, <laughs> you know, the coach that? would come say the team was like a real challenge and, um, they give you this heartfelt things, almost tearing up, guys, you can do this and we've been a long road together in this. And then walking out and saying, but you don't have a hope in hell. Well, that's not helpful, right? And you go off on the wrong foot. So, um, you you know, when I say a hope of winning after you've even had a positive talk, now you can imagine what happens at a biological level. Because, you know, our bodies are very complicated neuroendocrine, electrical, electrochemical uh, uh, structures and there's so much communication. It's not even communication within the same cell and, uh, you know, the endocrine system and that every and the nervous system, of course. So these messages go somewhere energetically. And we all know that a negative energy is fundamentally different from a positive. It's as different as the voltage, negative and positive, right? So I'm kind of, I say to people, look, we're not going to write you a glowing one that just you can't relate to. That's false. But you've got to be aware and start looking for openings in that. I talk about cracking open your narrative and allowing possibility for getting better. Mm. This is fundamental. It sounds, a but you know, when I when I used to push this years ago, a lot of my colleagues who do more bread and nuts and bolts medicine, they were saying, oh, "Well, that sounds like if you've got a lot of time." And I said, "No, you, it sounds like if you want to have the time to treat them properly, that you have to address this."
0: It really it's is a shift. Correct. It's a yeah. shift in priority, yeah. most definitely, because it's interesting. And and I think this is a good note to wrap up, but it's interesting that if you're sick, if you're direly ill, you will find time to stay home and take care of yourself because you can't report to work vomiting. You can't, you know, if you can't breathe or you're sneezing all day or whatever the case is, you shift that priority. Yeah but we only do it when it's emergent. So the trick seems to be, we need to do it more regularly and recognize that some of these whispers that our body is making are actually emergent signals. And so we need to shift that. And so I think that's, I think that's really fascinating. Um, Cracking open that experience. It just, even allowing uh-huh. the possibility of a different reality right. to hit you is quite Baby. powerful. And so I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and um and as you were talking, I was going through your book as well and just reliving what I'm learning or what I've learned about you today, what I've learned about chronic pain today. And I do want to issue a little disclaimer, and that is no one is saying your pain isn't real. No one is yes. saying this isn't your experience and that you are yeah. at fault. What the message is, is you. we don't know better. We don't know better because we don't know our own power. We don't know the capability and the untapped potential in our brains. It's the, It's a phenomenal organ. And so this has been absolutely fascinating, Trevor. And I need to ask you, what is the best way for listeners to get um, in touch with
1: you? They can go to uh, Trevor Campbell, MD. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, this Excellent. is a, it's a very early website. It's not full or anything. It's not comprehensive. It's being worked on, uh, but they can get, uh, there's a link okay. to buy the book as well. Um Otherwise. It's,
0: it's fantastic because that's imperfect action. So we talk <laughs> about that too. <laughs> just yeah, get yeah. the message out, um, right? It's
1: a fascinating subject. And I, if I can just add something, do we have time?
0: We have about oh, did, But I'm not
1: taking away from your time. You <laughs> wanted to say something spe- specific. or Okay.
0: No, you're fine. But you know what? We can always have you. Okay. We can have you come back as well. But uh, if you would like uh, to... Wrap up yes. with a, a uh, nugget. In medicine. We do yes. really
1: well with acute trauma, with acute disease like pneumonia. We find out what's causing it. We give an antibiotic. You get better. We do well with, uh, uh, you know, anything that is acute. Or um, we do well with immunizations for the most part. Uh, but we do really badly with chronic pain and chronic diseases. The reason is because we do not treat it biopsychosocially as we should. And I think that the chronic pain, when this is dealt with better, this will be a lot of information transfer to all chronic disease. Because if you think about it, we have not done really amazing. well medicine. I mean, everyone in medicine knows that uh, uh, progress in, in chronic pain and chronic disease has not matched the other sectors of medicine. Just a parting message.
0: No. It- Right. And it's, it's complicated and yes, we can't par- yes. compartmentalize it. I think is the biggest thing is we can't look at the, um, what would you say, like the disease criteria and say, yes. well, it checks this box and checks this box. And so it's this. I mean, you look at, uh, the diagnostic criteria for MS, for example. It's the McDonald's, um, I'm not quite sure exactly what it's called but it's like the mcdonald's criteria and it is multiple lesions over space and time and so when we have a disease or we have a condition that doesn't behave in this categorical way then we don't know what the heck to do with it even if it's uh an outlier of an existing disease so you're right we've done a terrible job with it um i'm so happy that you took the time to be on the show today and to bring your message to help people. Thank you. I I really enjoyed
1: it. That's good.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. What is the one thing that I advise listeners to do? If you've been a longtime listener to the show and we've been on the air since the fall of 2017, you know what the answer is. And that is to be open to receiving solutions and opportunities. Dr. Trevor Campbell landed in my inbox literally, and I am so happy that he did because in this quest, in the search to bring you relief and to bring you different solutions that you can apply to your life to improve it, we are learning more about the brain-body connection. If you think about it, it makes sense. The brain is the computer over the body, so if there's malfunctioning, in the brain if we're reprogramming the brain then the body is definitely going to be yes. effective if you would like to get in touch with Dr. Campbell we will have information also for him on the sick biz buzz podcast blog at sickbiz.com and i don't know about you but my mind is blown this morning i'm very grateful for the chance to have spoken with him and to expand what i didn't know i didn't know I hope you had the same experience as well. Let's be off to go where we are looking and tap into that happiness secret. Remember too, as you seize the day, character is destiny. Again, want to remind you that J Hill Marketing and Creative Services has launched an editing house called Bookmark. The logo is even even being built right now, and we talk about taking that imperfect action. We're doing exactly that, walking the talk. But in the name of following the digital needs, you will have gone ahead and rolled out the business anyways. That's just a little side note for you. If you have an idea, get going on it. In a nutshell, Bookmark is an editing house enabling authors to keep their copyright as a self publish without sacrificing the professional execution that is so integral to maintaining brand integrity. In layperson's terms, you get all the good stuff, the pristine professional publishing, the intellectual property retainment without sacrificing all the ducats in your wallet. Get it? Get in touch with us. Learn more about the service. Please head on over to jkill2lsmark.com. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for joining us. Be well.